Hi everyone, you're listening to the Via Lucci podcast, uncensored and completely unedited discussions about life and everything in it. We hope you enjoy the show. Oh, John Higgins. Hello, everyone. back. I'm back. How long's it been, John? I don't know. I'm trying to remember the last... You were one of the last shows we did before we locked down. I think the... I think it was Christmas, around Christmas, wasn't it? Yeah, November I'm trying December. to remember was which Christmas one? movies? Something like that. Well, we did Christmas movies. I'm trying to remember whether it was sci-fi or gangsters. Oh, sci-fi. We Might have been sci-fi or yeah. gangsters. Because we were talking about Turkish sci-fi movies just Something before like that, we came yeah. in. As... Okay. <laughs> we were also talking about Turkish westerns. Yes. And today, on... well... You might probably wondering why I'm wearing a Star Wars T-shirt on a Western thing thing, um, but simply because Star Wars is in fact a space Western. It was created because George Lucas, um, his his kind of desire was not just he wanted to make Flash Gordon, but the problem was he one of the big quotes at the time he says since the demise of the Western there hasn't been many adventure films. So this was like 1973, 74. So it's insignificant that the western genre you know we we probably look at westerns as an old style genre but they're still probably it's still probably one of the most influential genres of all time i mean you probably watch you've probably seen a western indirectly in some shape or form and it's i mean this this little podcast today is about the influence of western cinema now there are people who are more knowledgeable about westerns i think i've seen quite a few so um, I mean, my my kind of range tends to be more towards things like Clint Eastwood and the Spaghetti Westerns and things like, um, you know, Blazing Saddles and Go West, the Marx Brothers thing. Um, Go West, the Marx Brothers. Yeah, but Go West is basically what it is, is um, it's 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 kind of a vehicle for the Marx Brothers. But right. basically, as, as all Marx Brothers yeah. films are. Think, yeah. <laughs> essentially what it is, is it's actually taking the vaudeville style of it. But it has one of my all-time favorite lines, which is quite funny, where they're trying to get a deed for some land, which is very important for the railroad. That you know, the the whole backstory is they've got to build the 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 railroad. And at one point, um, Chico come. They're trying to steal it from a safe. Anyway, Chico comes. He goes, "Don't worry." You know, if it's all right, we can telephone. And then Groucho says, telephone, this is 1870. Don Amici <laughs> hasn't invented the telephone yet. So, of course, it's kind of like, and then when you look at Blazing Saddles, for example, it's, again, it's about the nature of bigotry. So they're talking about the railroad. So it's right. it's sort of very discriminatory language. But the thing is, it you know, Cleveland Little's Sheriff Bart is actually um, the smartest guy in the room. I mean, obviously... In today's culture, you know, there's a lot of concern that film would not be made today, but it's a very strong, it's a very strong, very simple plot. It doesn't need that. So it's a, it's a, it's a, a film about racism, but it isn't a racist film. No, no. It's a bit like Life of Brian. It's not, it's not blasphemous. The point of it is, is people who don't, you know, the whole idea is, you know, when you have like, um, you know, you, you have a lot of Western motives, like for example, the fastest gun in the West, the Waco kid, which is, you know, and he, you know, there's the scene where he's, he said, look, he puts um, like a chess piece. He goes, well, look, when, when I yell, go for it, you try and grab it. And then he, he claps and he's not in there. And he goes, is this what you're looking for? Um, and then there's the famous fart scene, the actual scene where they're actually all the, all the bigots are sitting around a campfire. And it's literally, I defy anybody not to be, um, 
not to be on the floor laughing when it happens. It's the most famous fight scene. And also a lot of it, according to what Mel Brooks said, was that they actually were doing like human things. So they're going like... <laughs> and they actually then... But one of the interesting things was when it was released in Spain, I think it was, they actually either reduced the amount of farts or actually sort of omitted them. Because when it was filmed, it was actually silent. It was all, it was all Foley then. Oh. Yeah. But moving on, I mean, there's, there's some interesting things. I was looking at things like, say, Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid, which is regarded, although it's a Western, it's regarded as the first modern buddy movie. So all films like Lethal Weapon, um, 48 Hours, you know, it's, it's basically Paul Newman and Robert Redford as two buddies in the West. And it's got so many um, great motifs and a great um, a great screenplay by William Goldman, which was actually the most expensive. It sold for about five hundred thousand in nineteen sixty seven sixty eight. And again, this was another thing where the scriptwriter became a superstar. Around the same time in nineteen sixty nine, there was the Wild Bunch, which basically changed the course of modern editing. So when you look at all the fast editing in films today, it actually stemmed from that film. Was that remade, The Wild Bunch? It is going to be remade with Mel Gibson, apparently. That was the story. But the thing, all it was, was it was actually, going back to Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid, actually The Wild Bunch was actually, Sam Peckinpah was actually originally touted to direct Butch Cassidy. And he had the, the script at the time was actually given to him by a stuntman called Waylon Green. And it was nothing much than a few shootouts. This is from David Weddle's biography, If They Move, Kill Em, which is a great book about um, Sam Peckinpah. It's a really great thing. And it talks about the whole making of it. And, um, but simplifying it, the, when the film came out, it shocked audiences because what, which film? with the wild bunch, Oh yeah. Um, it was shown to an audience as a preview in in kind of like the Midwestern states or somewhere. And their people were so shocked because the opening of the film, which is one of the most violent and the climax of the film, had never been seen before. This is at the end of the 60s when the production code was sort of becoming more lenient right. towards violence. So Bonnie and Clyde came out and stuff. And I was thinking it's very, it's similar in tone to like something like Bonnie and Clyde. Yeah. Know? But it's also the fact that at the time, it, the the influence, the actual effect of the Vietnam War was actually being captured. So William Holden and Ernest Borgnine, when they were questioned about it, when the critics saying you should be shot for making it, he, they said, look, have you ever seen a people not, ever, never seen a man not bleeding? He says, if you watch the TV, the Vietnam War, people are being killed all the time. Nobody was questioning it. It was the, the whole idea was that people were, if you take away the opening sequences, the intensity of the violence, what you have got is a standard Western like the Magnificent Seven. You know, people used to just get shot and people went down. There was nothing like that. Um, you know, and it it's just, you know, and I, when I was looking at, um, you know, the variations or the, the history of it, it's quite interesting. I mean, one of the questions I wanted to ask was, is it a genre or is it a historical epic? Is it a genre in itself or is it a historical epic as well as a genre? What, the Western? The Western itself. Well, it, it is interesting because I was, I was thinking about sort of what is a Western and what makes a Western. And it's not necessarily um, being set in the Old West. Uh, they, there, are, there are tropes and there are um, aesthetic um, uh, themes or whatever. But um, 
but it, it is more i think it's more it's more of an attitude and i think it has to do a bit more with the protagonist to be honest i do think that this kind of um lone man with a or woman with a, a set of values that's set apart from everyone else that they sort of have a code um they're typically a sort of a person out of time uh, they're typically sort of there's a world around them that that is that they don't fit in, you know. Like the lone often, ranger, yeah. there's always a sort of wanderer. Yeah, yeah. The lone gunman, the bounty hunter, yeah, the yeah, sheriff, yeah. Or whatever. There's, it's a, a pining for. I think are they the always world. revenge? Is somebody always getting killed and they have to come back? It's or? it tends to be like Defend. in the searches, for example. It's about there's normally about death and resurrection. I mean, if you look at say, if you look at films like, if you look at Clint Eastwood's films, particularly things like The Outlaw, Josie Wales, Pale Rider, and Unforgiven. They are about people who indirectly get resurrected. So in the case of the outlaw Josie Wales, Josie Wales is a, is a character whose wife and kid are murdered by his confederates. And then his fellow confederates go to a meeting in a field and they're all shot. And then Josie Wales, who basically has been observing it, he becomes a renegade and then he meets a whole load of other people along the way who he gets on. He meets Chief Dan George, the elderly Indian. He meets Sandra Locke and a and her mother or whatever it is. And there's a few other ones, but everybody's after Josie Wells. Is that your laptop making that noise? Yeah. Sorry. Right. Yeah. Um, but in the case of like unforgiven, he's a man who's reformed, but then he's sort of, he's sort of, a, he's sort of chosen by this kid and he meets her with Morgan Freeman and he goes out to help because a woman gets, gets slashed. He then sort of has to rediscover his, his trope as a, as a violent man even though he's been reformed by his dead wife. In Pale Rider, um, which is based on the famous line, you know, he behold a pale horse and hell followed with him. Um, High Plains Drifter is about a guy coming back from the dead as well. I did not, when I saw that, I did not see that coming for a Western. Because I only saw it about four or five years ago. Did, did you, uh, do you remember seeing that? Uh, which one? So the, the, what's the, the, when he comes back from the High dead. Plains Drifter, yeah. Rider. What year did that come out? Do you know? 1973. It was actually one of... That must have been so unusual. Yeah. For f- but it was one of Clint Eastwood's early directorial debuts. He did a... He directed it? He directed oh, it. Right. And he also did the original version of The Beguiled in 1971, which he shot around the same time as... But the con- when I watched that film and it turns out he's a ghost. <laughs> have you seen it? No, I haven't. So it's a Western, right? Yeah. It's a Western and it turns out at the end, he's a fucking ghost. Okay. Like, you, you don't need to say Okay, so it's like a sixth sense kind of twist. Yeah, that, that, and you're thinking, oh, right, but, it, <laughs> but the thing is, is this is where, you know, Eastwood was exploring various themes. He felt that, you know, he's very much, he's a product of the Great Depression. You know, he's actually 20, he was born 20 years after the the end of the West. So he, he was a road, he was like a traveler and he, he went around a lot with his parents. They, they traveled a lot around California, for example. Oh, he did that naturally. So maybe that bled yeah. into the films that he Yeah. So it's, and then, you know, another famous example was Walter Hill's The Long Riders in 1980, which is um, about the youngest, the James Younger gang. And they, they were part of the great North, Northern field Minnesota raid, which was a very famous thing in the 18. 18- 1900s but what's significant about that film it's actually three sets of real life acting brothers playing the real life um playing the youngers james and millers so you've got the carradines um um david keith and uh, the other one <laughs> <laughs> and then you've got stacy and james keach who produced the film with you know and also dennison and randy craig as the as the millers 
So it was it was quite a novelty to have, you know, that was kind of a rare instance where they use real life brothers to play real life um, historical figures. Um, but you know, it, it's interesting. You know, there's things like, um, but in the case of Unforgiven, this was a script that had been touted around. He bought it in the 1970s as a title of the William Moneykinnins, and it was very much resonant with the time of the Vietnam War, but Eastwood wanted to wait until he was old enough to to draw on the power of it. And that's why when it was released in 1992, it became, you know, the, it had legs and it was a big one. Of course, it became the movie that kind of gave, finally got him his Oscar. But, it, but you know, thematically, these movies do have, um, you know, the, you know, you can look deeper at them. You know, I mean, it's interesting, you know, if you look at Heaven's Gate, for example, Heaven's Gate is an unusual one because it doesn't start in America. It actually starts in Oxford. You have Chris Christopherson, who's an Oxford student, and then he, it, then it moves to America. I mean, you know, it's, it's a movie worth watching because of the epic quality of it, but it just happened to be a very expensive movie that people didn't understand at the time. You know, I watched it, and the, the strange thing is, is 10 years before Dancing with Wolves, if you watch some of the spectacle, there's a, the climax of the film, um, you know, if it had been made like 10 years later, it might well have hit the right notes as it did as Dances with Wolves did. But, you know, I think people were, were so overwhelmed by, you know, that time, at that time, you know, the, the genre had kind of finished in a way, and it wasn't until Eastwood revived it with things like, Pale Rider, and then Costner with Dancing with Wolves, that it finally started, found its way back into the veneer. And then more recently, there was, of course, the two Wyatt Earp films in 93, 94, which was like Tombstone and Wyatt Earp. Wyatt Earp, I actually do like. That's a movie that I was underrated. It was a Lawrence Kasdan film with Costner and Dennis Quaid as... Um, as Doc to, tombstone's a guilty pleasure for me it's not is i love it I, it's not great <laughs> I, I, yeah it's got it's great a, cast yeah. like every single role you're like oh damn what, do, I, you, what do you think was the, the earliest um, western film are they the earliest films would well be the, the most famous one was stagecoach with john fort which was john wayne's major first film which was about the ringo kid it's not a movie i've seen what sort of year are we talking 1935 oh god that early 35 but in fact, from what I was reading, there was a lot of um, Westerns done around the silent era. So from 1910 to 1929, which were like two realists, so 20 minute films. So it, it kind of, um, you know, and then, the, you know, in the, in the 50s and 60s, when the, the cinema screen got bigger, you yeah. had things like How the Westwood Won, which was one of the few films that was shot in Cinerama. Cinerama, which is three <laughs> lenses, and um, which you can watch from time to time in in Bradford at the National Museum of the Moving Image. Um, it is available on Blu-ray, and you can actually see the actual Cinerama. They've actually sort of remastered it in, and you see like the actual, you know, the the lines where the Cinerama happens. And again, that was one of those epic tales which had, um, you know, an all-star cast, and it had about three or four directors. And um, it's a big influence on, you know, a lot of the modern stuff. I mean, the music can actually be heard at the beginning of Romancing the Stone. When um, when there's the prologue where, you know, Jesse and, you know, the, the girl that, um, you know, the you know there's, an, oh, there's a sequence in Romancing the Stone at the very beginning where... It's from the book or something, isn't it? Or it's you, from the book. Yeah, I mean, yeah. um, 
Kathleen Turner's as John Wilder's narrating the the opening, and that's very much, you know, and she escapes and meets Jesse, her 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 lover, and then you know Kathleen Turner bursts into into tears. I mean, Back to the Future Part Three was. Yeah, this, yeah, which, yeah, which basically is is just such fun because it's Hill Valley in the eighteen ninety eighty five, and then of course you have um, when when Biff Tannen Buford Tannen says to Michael J. Fox, "What's your name?" and he goes, "Eastwood, <laughs> Clint Eastwood." <laughs> um, you know, we see the Western influence in things like Raiders of the Lost Ark. You know, when you watch the the truck chase, you know, the horse riding and stuff. That was actually the stunt in that where he goes in the truck was influenced by you know, an, an earlier Western. Um, when you look at, you know, the influences in some things, there's Westworld, Michael Crichton's film, you know, the, about robots that yeah, go yeah. haywire. You've got Death Wish, when in fact there's a sequence, which was on TV recently, where they go that they, they go to a Western town and you're seeing that on there. Was well, that what you mean, Bronson? Charles Bronson, yeah. Cause well, he, which one? The first one? The first one, yeah. Because he goes to um, he goes to Tucson, Arizona, to do ar- to do architecture, to do a um, a development, and they stop off for lunch at a Western town, which is like a famous Western studio. Um, and then, of course, you know he 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 goes to a gun club, and then as an as a token of appreciation, he gets a gun by the architect, and then goes back and does what you know he goes back and starts shooting people in New York. Um, <laughs> In a way, Straw Dogs, Stamp Sam Peckinpah's British film, in a way, is a Western of sorts set in Cornwall because it's like the the wimp who sort of takes out revenge and there's, you know, there's certain Western motifs in there, not least because of the violence, um, which was, you know, Peckinpah did the film because people were so typecasting him as because of the Wild Bunch. So that's why you did it. But it's very much what's unusual. It is pretty much a... You know, it's like a homestead western set in, but it's a it's a farm in Cornwall. Yeah, well, like a, a dead man's shoes, something like that. Yeah, yeah, similar thing. It's it's a western set in the Midlands, <laughs> basically, <laughs> and it's kind of really low key and a bit pathetic. But then it's kind of supposed to be. Yeah, <laughs> like oh, it's, it's, it's about yeah. this guy getting revenge for his brother dying. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. Mm. I mean, we could also look at Assault on Precinct Thirteen, which oh, is yeah. the original yeah, yeah. nine seventy six yeah. version, which. Um, Howard Hawks was a big influence on John Carpenter and it's a remake of Rio Bravo. Um, and essentially it's the same story. Like, well, it's the same story, but they're, they're John in the original film, John Wayne and Ricky Nelson and, um, Ward Bond are actually defending a guy against the Cowboys outside. And actually the trivia is, is when the film was made, the editor of the film is John T. Chance. And that's John Carpenter because oh, right. he actually used, took the name and edited it. It's like um, in, it's not the, it wasn't the first time when Carpenter did um, Prince of Darkness and They Live, he actually used a pseudonym as a writer for Martin Quatermass for They Li- for Prince of Darkness. And Frank Armitage is a pseudonym for Carpenter for They Live. Um, other movies worth doing, there's two science fiction re-images, like for example, Outland, for example, Peter Himes' film in 1981 is a remake of Fred Zinnemann's Hyde Noon. And then of course, Bow Beyond the Stars, which is the Magnificent Seven in space. Oh, is it? Um, and the Magnificent Seven is in fact based on the Japanese, the, the Akira Kurosawa film, Seven Samurai. Yeah, yeah. Fistful of Dollars, the first of the, um, the first of the, uh, Man with No Name trilogy is based on Kurosawa's um, 
the Jimbo. What were the three films? Fistful of, Fist of Dollars for a few dollars more and The Good, The Bad and The oh, Ugly. Ah, that's um, the one. What's the standoff on? And they're just looking uh, at each other for 10 there minutes. There are a lot of standoffs. <laughs> standoffs. There's a lot of Mexican standoffs. What's but the, oh, it's God. The Good, The Bad and The Ugly yeah, has, has a very long... Can you turn that noise off? That's going to drive me up the wall. Okay, yeah, so I'll do that. Um, yeah, that's when I think of Westerns. That's what I think of. <laughs> the Mexican fella, eyeballs shifting. Didn't they do that in The Simpsons? I think they parried that with oh, the eyes moved like, well, they parried that, yeah, everything. Yeah, yeah. yeah, Simpsons done everything now. Did, um, did the three of those films have any relevance to each other? They're just completely separate films. They were. Character, they were, his name. They do have the same, um, uh, I mean. Uh, they what have, was his name? Was his, it, like was Lee Van Cleef plays different roles in two of them. Oh, right. Yeah. Okay. And, in, and in The Good, The Bad and The Ugly, there's, you know, Clint is the good, Eli Wallach is right, the bad. Okay, right, Is 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 the ugly and Lee Van Cleef is the, is the bad. What's the one where the guy's hanging on the tree and he thinks he's leaving them to die and he shoots the rope. That is good and bad. In the yeah. Ugly. Okay. Cause he used it. Cause Eli Wallach is used as a thing to get, you know, he gets the money, you know, he, that's how he keeps the yeah, money. Yeah, yeah. They do a scam where they hand it, they hand him in for the bounty and then they saves him when he's about to be hung. Yeah. So yeah, but it's hanged. But I, hung. I mean, I, I watched the, um, they did a, um, they did a Q and a with Eli Wallach back in, um, you know, just before he died. I Who's mean, Eli Wallach? He played the, um, the ugly in the good. Oh, okay, the ugly. right. And, um, the interesting thing is it was actually the three hour version because the, you know, when it, when it was first screened on TV in 82 on BBC one, it was like two hours, 40, something like two hours, 40, but then they remastered it as a three hour version, which I then saw, which expanded on some of the characters, um, you know, stuff like that. So I, um, and it's a movie that I think you, it's one of those that you do need to see on the big screen. Yeah. It's just really, um, you know, I, I think it, that's the other thing is that, certain movies you have to see on um you know i, th I think the the argument for whether the big screen is better these are movies that are designed to be seen on well, the, the sound screen. as well in those yes. films the score is something you have to hear properly yeah. it, it turns into more of an experience doesn't it yeah plus they're quite slow films as well so you need you need the whole experience of seeing a a western like that you need the landscape you need the sound you need to too many distractions yeah, nowadays. yeah. Like when you're watching stuff on you know on tv or you're not going to sit there two minutes of nothing somebody yeah. ordering a drink it's it won't um, happen it's yeah. Too much, yeah are you what, what do, you, do you is uh, outside of the western genre looking in i think of those as like western films but is that seen as quite sort of tacky or were they good films are they like sort of easy Western? they are still there's st i think they respect it they, they're they're such are un they're very unique because westerns are also unlike the marv or unlike other genres like horror or sci-fi or romance although there are elements of romance they're in camera films what do you mean well the thing is is you know you can use for them to be convincing you've got to build the sets you've got to build you know you you've got to use real explosions you've got to kind of do it so you know with the advent of CGI, you can actually sort of create elements where you need to, you know, that's it. But, you know, people will tell the difference if they feel it's fake, you know, if they feel that the townships yeah, yeah. are fake, you know, whereas when you look at a lot of science fiction films, they've built like with Blade Runner and stuff, it's all, you know, well, it's effects and it's, it's stuff like that. But there's a lot of interesting history. I think there's still stories to be told. Um, you know, I, I, I've 
seen, you know, I, I'm always interested to see what, uh, you know, I've, they've grown on me over the years, you know, you know, I'll, I'll happily watch Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid and, and stuff like that. But, um, I mean, another one you can talk about is Roadhouse. That is a basic modern Western. Cause he's, he's a, you know, for yeah, a, a, yeah. he goes, well, he, he goes, he cleans up a bar and he, you know, he's dealing with a evil, right. you know, the homesteader is like, um, Ben Gazar and he's, he's got the influence over the town. And then Dalton is kind of like the, the gun fighter who sort of yeah. comes in with something like the lone, the lone yeah, sort yeah, of yeah. Uh, fighter, you know, standing up for values, standing you know, against the yeah. yeah, corrupt world. You what know, about Tremors? Is that a cowboy? Um, <laughs> I've, I've, well, it it kind of it, it's well, it's it's got cowboy hats in it. I well, think yeah, I yeah. mean, but and it's, guns, yeah. last stand, also, all yeah. that. Yeah. But you've also got like cowboys and aliens, you know, with Harrison Ford and yeah. Daniel Craig. That is actually that is probably as yeah. high concept as you can yeah, get. Yeah. I don't think it's the best movie in the world. Such a great title! It's such a shame. So, it's mental. The title Cowboys and Aliens. They, they obviously just came up with the title and then kind of like, oh, we'll figure the script out later. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. And then, of course, you have the Jackie Chan film, Shanghai, you know, Shanghai Noon. And um, I mean, that is another great wordplay, you know, Shanghai Noon. It's, you know, the Old West and Jackie Chan going to the Old West. Um, you know, but there's so many, you know, I, I've seen, you know, I was sort of just going through uh, when I was doing my research. You know, there's a lot of interesting subgenres. I mean, I was looking on, um, I was looking on, uh, you know, there's 20, interestingly enough, there's actually, I was looking on Wikipedia, there's about 26 subgenres classical, acid, Australian, Western, or meat pie, Western, black exploitation, charro, or chili, Western, comedy, Western, contemporary, Western, or neo Western, dacoit, Western, documentary, Western, electric, Western, epic, Euro, fantasy, Florida, Greek, horror, martial arts, Northern, Austern, pornographic, Roman, revisionist, sci fi. But, uh, pornographic <laughs> western yeah i mean horror where's the horror well bone tomahawk which with oh. kurt russell which is actually um which is basically where they come on the cannibals you know and it i i watched it you know I, I did a review on it a while back but again it's kurt russell and they go into the wilderness and then they suddenly encounter cannibals in the old in the old west so oh. it's very violent um spaghetti western and stuff like that and of course turkish westerns i mean yeah. <laughs> as we were talking about earlier <laughs> you know. what um what was the what year was the um oh bloody oh the the comedy the the that killed ca the cowboy films we mentioned it earlier. blazing saddles blazing saddles yeah that was did that, that was 1974 oh god it's a lot earlier than i thought so how long did they disappear for cowboy films before they started coming back or did they they well they they kind of after Heaven's Gate in 1980, um, which killed, which sort of bankrupted United Artists, everybody was saying, oh, that's it. We can't make them anymore. So in the mid 80s, you had Silverado, Lawrence oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. film with John Cleese as a sheriff, you know, which is quite interesting. Fun. And then Pale Rider around the same time. And then basically when Dances with Wolves came out and won seven Oscars, which was an independent movie, right. that kind of sort of brought back the potential of- How was that an independent movie? Was it an independent- who directed it? Kevin Costner. But surely he went to a big studio, no? It wasn't a big studio. It was that actually film was an independent film. It was an independent movie. It was it was about seventeen. Kevin Costner raised money through um, there was a company called Majestic and got and um, Goldcrest. Jake Ebert, who was the head of Goldcrest, actually did a part deal with it. Right, and he and 
you know, Kevin Costner had made this, you know, it was a script um, with subtitles. You know, it was a three-hour epic. Yeah. And no studio would touch it. You know, they, they didn't want to do it. But but he kind of found a way to sort of get everything together. He did a, you know, he, he put together a great presentation, raised the money, even actually deferred some of his money because he wanted, right, yeah. he said, I don't want you around. I'll pay you to Go leave you alone. <laughs> and, you know, he then... And then, of course, you know, it went and did, when it opened in 1990, it opened in a very limited thing, became a big movie, did very well across the, across the world. And then it won seven Oscars yeah. at the, um, you know, the Academy Awards in 91. So it, it's, and then, of course, you know, Clint Eastwood's influence came back because, I say, two years later, there was Unforgiven, which, again, mm. did the business. And then... But then, of course, um, when Wyatt came out in 94, that was kind of a movie that flopped at the box office, even though it's affectionately thought of as a really great to look at. And it's, I, I think it's an underrated one. So there, there was a bit of a lull in the late 70s, but then it sort of came back in the 80s anyway, yeah. slowly. And I, but they went on TV, didn't they? They had like Bonanza and like TV episodes. Yeah, Bonanza, The Virginian, The High Chaparral. I mean, High it seemed Chaparral. to me I, I, I could never, every, you know, what, Sundays for me as a, as a kid were was you know I'd watch BBC One you'd turn on and there'd always be like Bananas Bonanza and always Chaparral, yeah. and they they'd always um, and then you know they put films on in the early hours of the morning of some obscure um, who was the um, oh, I'm not going to remember his name now the one that Bruce Lee should have got the role the, the, that the, was Kung Fu no the, the, oh what was it what was it called well the fellow just goes to different towns it's like a cowboy yeah that kung was fu. that was david was david carradine kung fu it was called i didn't yeah, think it was kung fu. That. Oh, okay that used to be saturday evenings on bbc one. Oh, it was actually on bbc i never saw yeah. it on bbc i remember so is that, that class as a western yeah um surely the lone man going from bar to bar but i think it it was more to bring martial arts to the masses it was you know t you know like um you know, there's that famous line in um, in Port Fiction, he goes, I'm going to walk the earth. Yeah. Like Chang in, um, in <laughs> like, Kung Fu. Yeah, like, he goes, so you've and then John Travod says, so you've decided to be a bum. <laughs> <laughs> but I suppose if that's a Western, then the Incredible Hulk's the TV series is a Western. Then, he's oh, yeah. oh, my, yeah, yeah. Tra traipsing around but, the back, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. small towns, it, helping out yeah. people. But it's yeah. about, you know, it's it's about drifters. He's a drifter, yeah, you know, and the right. drifter is actually a classic Western motif. Mm. Um you know, and, you know, you, you see a lot of interesting, um, you know, it's, it's interesting that, you know, you, you might not claim to be a fan of the Western, but the truth is you actually see it in, as I mentioned before, you see it indirectly yeah. in every single movie, you know. The, the, the Lone Ranger, what was, what was the actual story of him? Was he a bounty hunter? He or, was a ranger, I think. So. But what does that mean? Is he a government Texas, official? Yeah, Texas Ranger. Yeah, he's, oh, I thought he was on. But what about the mask and all that? Uh, apparently, I think he faked his own death and yeah. then yeah, that's um, what I mean. so what was became a sort of vigilante. Oh, more of a vigilante. To strike fear into the hearts of right. uh, well, the mask. To, you know. And again, the vigilante is a modern influence with things like Death Wish and the Exterminator. All right. Well, know? what about this then as a, as a stretch for a Western? What about Robin Hood? No. <laughs> Lone Ranger. No. Um, if you I had, could, to I could see a version. I can't think saving. of a version necessarily, but like I could see, but that would be kind of a cool version if they did that. No, I, he's on his own, saving people. Helping. Well, he's not there because he's got his merry men, doesn't he? Oh my, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, 
sitting, a, sitting around in their greens. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but but it's you know, but that's more historical. I, I think Robin Hood, Robin Hood is a yeah. I shouldn't have mentioned. The more you say it, the worse it's. Well, it, it's centuries. Be, it is centuries before. I mean, it's actually the 12th century. The Crusades and Sean Connery coming home and saying that he, you know, I'm unless I give the bride away. <laughs> prima nocta <laughs> what's that book you got there by the way um well the reason i bought this is cinema alchemist the reason i i sort of refer to it is because this is roger christian's biography it talks about all the um you know all the the weapons he designed for star wars and alien now the truth is okay. the actual what he's saying say is, is cinema alchemist um, designing star wars and aliens but he refers to star wars as a space western because the used look in the movie was actually influenced by things like Once Upon a Time in the West. Okay. So when they were sort of shooting Star Wars and, you know, they would show um, Once Upon a Time in the West as an influence, you know, so a lot of the the used universe in the film because what Lucas's argument was that he felt that science fiction films were not clean. They were not sanitized. They were actually... We're talking about morally? No, used universe. Like it looks, you know, there's there's cracks on the wall. Oh, right, okay. So... Uh, it, it looks lived in, yeah, yeah. I suppose, yeah. And, you know, this is part of the... what. This is exactly what the actual... Um, that was what they were aiming for with Star Wars. You know, a bit like oh. Lord of the Rings. Lord of the Rings, again, was, was created as a way of showing a lived in universe, which is what the Western is. It's poem, it's film, it's buildings that look, you know, right, yeah, like yeah, they've, yeah. they've been, been lifting. Yeah. So it, it's it's always it's always interesting to um, look at these things and these motifs and the themes and the issues and the storytelling that that comes out of it. What were some of the um, John Wayne films? Famous John. What's the one with the kids? He has to look after the kids. Is he an alcoholic or something? No. Well, John there's Wayne. True Grit, which no. he, for which he won oh. an Oscar. Was that what, yeah, that might be that it. That was the one. I mean, it was Is that kids involved in that one? It was a girl, yeah. Yeah. I thought there was a group of children in one of them, no? I'm trying I to might have mixed, I'm sure that. Right at the end, doesn't he kill himself? He gets, no. He sacrifices himself or something, John Wayne. Oh, bloody I, hell. No, it's right, it's gone, don't worry. What's the True Grit one then? Um, that was remade with Jeff Bridges and it was also Hayley Steinfeld in a debut. And what was the storyline of that one? Um, she sort of recruits Rooster Cogburn as a, a way of going off. She's like the girl, and I think her family's murdered. And then she goes off. He goes yeah, off, that's and, what I'm thinking. and then you know he he sort of helps her sort of get her revenge and stuff. And uh, I think there was um, there was one which Natalie Portman did recently, girl with a girl with a gun or something. I'm trying to remember which one that was. Um, but I know Natalie Portman did one recently where she was Jane's got a gun. Okay, no. Um, which again was, I think, a film that she produced. Did um, John Wayne win any Oscars? Yeah, for True Grit. Oh, right, okay. And that was remade, True Grit? That no? was remade with okay. Jeff Bridges and Hayley Steinfeld. In, oh, okay. in the original film, it was um, John Wayne and Kim Darby. Um, and it's also got the, 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 famous scene where, the famous scene where they're in this field and he goes, you son of a bitch, and he brings the guns up and then he shoots these four guys um, on there like that. He does the uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger Terminator 2 thing where he sort of has a sort of cocked rifle and he does it, he flips oh, it. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> he does that. That's that's oh. where that comes from. What about the, I like the scene that uh, a cowboy fall out of a window after being shot. How many times has that happened? He grabs your heart and just falls out. It just falls out. What paper mache? As soon as you lean on the the, the railing, they just everything, everything wobbles a bit. Yeah. Just walls. Yeah. Yeah. I love, um, I mean, The Magnificent Seven. 
for me has one of my favorite lines where when Yul Brynner and Steve McQueen are taking the the coffin the of the Indian up to Boot Hill. And I love the line where Steve McQueen says, he goes, I've never risen shotgun on a hearse before. <laughs> and then he, you know, and he's turning around and then the one point he goes, there's set and, um, your Brunner's looking, he goes, second floor window. He goes, I don't think I can turn around and he shoots him like boom. Yeah. Um, but it, uh, but again, you, you really do, you know, the Elmer Bernstein story that score and then Eli Wallach, you know, his as Calvera and stuff. And, you know, and, and there's like horse book holds, Charles Bronson. Um, I like the scene where um, James Colburn's taunted by the guy about the knife, how fast he can go. And then he, he sort of deliberately misses the first time and then throws the knife and kills him. He goes, you know, I still think you're a coward. And he shoots him around like that. Um, City Slickers, again, is another one that, um, again, sort of is about guys in a midlife crisis. But you've got Jack Palance who won his Oscar doing push-ups and one push-ups that again is the classic western motif and they go and do a real life cattle run and discover their smile as right, soon yeah. like that but again that has a lot of really interesting um sort of takes the piss out of the western in a way <laughs> um i like the bit where um i think it's where daniel stern's getting dressed up at the beginning he goes what do you think he goes i think you look like one of the village people <laughs> <laughs> but you, what, what was the um tarantino film the slave one that was Django Unchained. Yeah, so what is that, that, that Western E? Yeah, I think yeah. That's, yeah. that kind of yeah, is <laughs> partly historical, but again, it's it's pretty much the the homesteaders. And then you have, um, there's a lot of traditional, you know, the relationship between um, Christoph Waltz and Jamie Foxx, you know, the way that they go off. But it's, again, it, it's it's Tarantino doing a Western. Was it revenge? Was that, what was the motive? Was, was he going back to get somebody or save somebody? He, he was trying to save his wife, wasn't he? Oh, save his wife. Okay. Um, but again, it's, it's very much, you know, again, could we make that film today? You know, because it deals with the issue of, you know, it sort of came out just before the whole woke thing yeah, and yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and yeah, so yeah. Yeah, I wonder if even Tarantino could pull that off now, even being him, it's still the times have changed that much. I don't know. I think he would. I think uh, you'd go for it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, some so some people the rules don't apply. I yeah, suppose. yeah. Because <laughs> you're like some people can just get away with things, and I don't know how. What's he doing? What he's brought out his book. What's he? Um, what's he talking about now? What's he doing? What was the last film we did? The the Hollywood well, there was once upon a time in Hollywood. But basically, he's working on a TV series. <coughs> he's just done the novelization of Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, but he's actually about to do his next film. Will be his last. Yeah, I've heard him say that. Because he it. said that he'd do. I can ten, see there being a big break. But he'd said he would do ten films and he'd retire. You know, he can't see. I don't know how that works. As I was saying the other week, I, I'm sure that there's a drawer full of uh, scripts. Um, that's, yeah, that I say probably, maybe five, six, yeah. seven, eight years. Eventually, he's going to make another one. There's no way that somebody that's life has been involved with films. I don't. I, Why, I, how old is he? I don't know. I could see. I could see a streaming service coming along and his, just putting a blank check in front of him. He's in his. Um, well, he's in his late fifties, um, oh, and right. I think he's also just got married to um, an Israeli model called Daniela Pick. Yeah, he's done well for himself. Yeah. <laughs> like I was just like, damn, yeah, fair yeah. play. <laughs> I actually, I actually did a Q. I went to a Q and A of Q, once upon a time, and I did ask him and said, "Did you? Do you think that you will do?" what I could see is a whole series of once upon a time in dot, dot, dot films. He said, no, no, I've kind of done that. He's, he was very much, 
But I, but again, you you know, I mean, Spielberg has just um, announced a um, streaming thing. He's he's they've he's done a deal with Amazon or somebody like that, you know, to sort of tell other stories. So, I, I what's happening with his bloody Avatar? Will he just get these films out? No, that's can... James Cameron. Yeah. Oh, what did you say? You said oh, Spielberg. Spielberg. Oh, okay. Um, well, <laughs> James Cameron's actually. Um, I suppose Avatar's in a way a Western. Cool, yeah. You yeah. know, because it's, it's, it is I, about, it, you know, the. It's dances with wolves. Isn't yeah, it? that's, yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah. <laughs> but it does stop dead in the middle. I mean, I have to say, you know, there's one moment where I was just, when I watched the original Avatar, um, I was, when, he, when he's there, with, when Jake and Nateria are on a branch, and I'm thinking, okay, we love the air and we love the technicality and the virtuosity, but it moved this story. I mean, that should have yeah, been Yeah, about- you can't just lay back on that, the effects of it. Yeah. Just, I mean, it's what it is. is he, um, has he spoken about what the storyline is about these new I ones? Do, I mean, I'm sort of staggered he's going to get like three sequels yeah, out of it. The- and I, I mean, how it's it's a bit like Jackson trying to do The Hobbit, you know, yeah. three extended films. You know, I mean, for God's sake, come on! Yeah, unless you think he's going to like trying to make a Terminator Seven or Eight. Yeah. Now it's just like, come on, there's I don't, I'm not sure the point. No, it's like making. We, well, by the way, we're not just making another Terminator; we're making another three. And you go, oh my God! Even with the one, you're going to struggle. Well, they try. I mean, every new Terminator film, they've always said maybe it's going to be a trilogy yeah, yeah, yeah. or a franchise, and it just hasn't had legs. I don't. I don't think. I mean, even the one that they, the recent one that. Cameron produced the Dark Fate one again. I kind of, I mean, even when I saw Terminator one thirty years ago, Terminator two thirty years ago, I just kind of, I remember we, I was leaving a screening of that, and I was talking to a mate, and was saying, well, I kind of felt the the liquid metal robot was a bit repetitive, you know, and it's kind of like, no, but 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 that said, I do love the, I do love the visual effects in that film. I think they're. You can't tell Terminator two. Terminator two. Yeah, but, for all the time as well. Jesus, yeah. yeah. But of course it was the the first official thing with the morphine. It was the first time where morphine techniques yeah, had been yeah, used. Yeah. Um you know, I I, I mean I'll I'll see what happens with you know, it'd be interesting to see what people come up with in terms of um I mean, with the success of the updated Westworld TV series, you know, the JJ Abrams yeah. thing, that I've actually got I'm gonna watch the box set. I've got it at home somewhere. So I'm I'm looking forward to watching it. I do like the original um, thing, but again, this is another classic case of somebody doing a really great job of rebooting or re reimagining it. Has Netflix got a um, Western? It's a tab or whatever. Yeah, uh, yeah. I could. I mean, actually, funny enough, I could go onto that. Now. Yeah, I was wondering if all like the um, the spaghetti westerns would be on there. They're right for the picking, surely. Well, I could. Have Nobody's a watching them now. Maybe. Actually, it'd be funny to see what they were class as a Western. There'd be everything on there. There'd be Muppets, <laughs> the Muppets of Christmas Carol. <laughs> just anything for Some content. of those categories are very strange. Yeah. You're just like, oh. yeah. Okay. I, look, I mean, I could actually look on Amazon. Yeah. Well, we won't, we won't watch anything. But <laughs> no, it's <laughs> just... Western. Um, what was the last Western you've seen in the cinema, Charles? In the cinema? Yeah. Uh, the True Grit. I think the remake. Yeah. That was, um, so there's, there's very few big movies, like big, big um westerns i mean there are they they do churn them out Uh, you know there are still good ones and there are still sort of they are still making them who directed the spaghetti westerns uh what did he do after he did uh once he he did um he did once upon a time in the west which was the net which was the next one after good the band the ugly which was 69 and then he did um once upon a time in america which was a gangster film and oh the de niro thing yeah. yeah oh, he filmed Woods. that, did he? Yeah, he. It was kind of a. I'm denied about watching that, and I was just thinking, oh, I don't know. 50, yeah. Well, it's, it is four hours long, but it's it's actually 
Um, and there was always a debate about, you know, at the time, I think they cut the film. It was cut by a, a lot of, it was, it was something like two and a half hours or something, but the re the actual verse, full version, something like four hours. Oh, Jesus. Um, it, it does have an interesting, the opening of it where you have this montage of images and then you, all you hear is a phone ringing. And that's sort of going on. You, you're just watching all these images and there's a phone ringing and it just keeps going and keeps going. And then eventually somebody picks up the phone and then, and does that. But, um, so what, what have Netflix got on there as the movies? Um, well, the crazy Strange thing is ones. they don't, they don't really have anything. Um, they've not got a Western, uh, subject, uh, subject. There isn't, well, oh. doesn't have anything. I'm just saying, um, there's nothing like Westerns on there. I mean, they, they do. Historical. There's, probably. Um, I suppose award-winning films, um, yeah. it's... How many films did John Wayne make, off to, roughly, do you think? Hundreds. 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 More than 15? <laughs> Definitely, yeah. Really? I mean, it would have been fun. I, no, no, I, I would assume, honestly, several hundred at least. What are you talking about? How can you make 700 films? No, not seven. I said several. Oh, I thought you said seven. Like 200 plus? No. Yeah. 180 yeah. films. So how long was he famous for? How long was his career? 30 years? Uh, yeah. 76. So 60 years. Because oh. he, he shot, um, he, his last film was The Shootist in 1976, where he actually played a guy who was ravaged by cancer. Oh. And he also did a sequel to True Grit called Rooster Cobburn with uh, Catherine Hepburn. Was it him that did uh, Genghis Khan? Yes. Oh no! I thought maybe I'd got it wrong. It was no, it yeah. was him. Oh, I mean, you can't. Uh, well, maybe you can't blame me for miscasting. But I mean, you know, is that class as a western? I mean, no, uh, that's kind of a far eastern epic. It's more of a historical epic. Okay. Um, I, I don't. But you. But can you? I don't know. Can you? Again, this is going back the argument of what a western is. Is it you know, you know, or an eastern? I mean, you could say you know, eastern, you, could, yeah. you could say it's an eastern. Um, but again, there's, there's a lot of, you know, I was watching, um, I mean, of course there was the carry on film, carry on cowboy, which was, oh, shot yeah, at, um, about that. Yeah. oh, that's a good Western. If you want a Western, that's which the one never, to watch. which was never, um, which was never shot in America. It was shot, uh, oh. you know, it was kind of like they did, um, you know, when they did carry on, follow that camel, that was like shot on Brighton beach or something. Uh, no, it's it shot at Camber Sands actually. Yes, oh, okay. Sands. Yeah. And my family, they were down there when, the, when it was there and they met everyone. Camber and, Sands. Uh, yeah. That's almost part of the comedy that they, it's it was all the sand dunes there. It's great. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So where was thing filmed then? And what was the other one you just said? Um, Genghis Khan. Where was that filmed? Um, no, not no, so the carry, the carry on cowboy. Carry on cowboy was shot at Pinewood Studios. Oh, right. They did. I mean, he, I mean, if you look like the, in Carry On Up the Kyber, that was actually shot on Snowdonia. Oh, I didn't realize. They, ne they never <laughs> did because because um, Peter Rogers refused to. Sh the producer Peter Rogers refused to film outside there, so um, they shot they shot Carry On Cowboy on a set on um, <laughs> thing. Um, what's quite funny is that actually when the Young Ones TV series was on, they always used to put a little flash frame. And actually, in one of the episodes, you can actually see the climax, a flash frame of the end of Carry On Cowboy. 
They didn't. <laughs> I mean, you can't, you can't really explain the young ones, but I'm thinking, why would that be in there? Why was half of that why, show? Why, yeah, because yeah. why not? I think yeah, why, they, yeah. they were, with the young ones. No, I'm just referring to the frame. I'm not talking about right, it yeah. being a Western thing, but it's. Um, so uh, we, we should get to the the blazing saddles eventually. Yeah. Um, I mean, we've got to be careful of what we say. Where, what was the story of the Blazing Saddles? So you've got the black guy. Okay, what it, what it is is um, the railroad's being built, yeah. and essentially it's going through a town called Rock Ridge. Right. Harvey Corman plays Headley Lamar, but it's another joke. So he says, it's not Heady, it's Headley. Headley oh, Lamar. Right. He goes, what are you talking about? This is 1870. You'll be able to sue her. <laughs> so what it is is Harvey Corman, who's the, uh, he's like the state procurer. He wants to get the township out of the town. Yeah. So basically he gets this um, black guy called Bart, Cleveland Little, who basically has sort of bashed um, Slim Pickens over the head with a shovel and he's about to be hung. And he says, well, I've got an idea. I'm going to actually use you as a way of getting people out there. Right. So of course he turns up to the um, town and then um, after he deals with this incredible um chieftain tank of an of a of a thug called mongol he actually sort of becomes the hero of the town and then yeah. basically um liddy von stopp who's modeled on marlena dietrich it says well when the beast has fell we're going to get beauty and then of course she sort of meets him and says um and then then it sort of face back he goes is it true that you guys are gifted <laughs> and then Jesus, of course yeah. and then basically it becomes like um you know, and essentially, you know, the township fight back. So yeah, yeah. what Mel Brooks took was he took a lot of classic themes, a lot of classic sequences. Um, but at the very end of it, when they have the punch up, it then sort of ends up, it sort of segues into the scene in the, in the studio. So basically there's a fight that happens in the, they're doing a dance sequence and then all the, the, um, this, 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 the cast going there's a huge fight he goes why are you doing that he goes it's a closet he goes piss on you i'm working for mel brooks not in the face <laughs> and then it actually ends it ends where gene walder and cleveland little they actually go to the cinema and they're actually sitting in the cinema watching their own film I remember that All right. um <laughs> it's, it's very space balls like at points you know yeah yeah, yeah actually yeah. space balls has one of my favorite gags when they put you know we've even got the film a tape and he sticks the tape in and then literally that they fast forward it and then you get to that scene where they're looking at the yeah. same film <laughs> um <laughs> but it but again it you know what people seem to forget it was co-written by richard pryor oh, okay he co-wrote it it oh, was original right. from what i've heard about it it was actually um originally a um it was originally a script called tex x and they actually expanded on that it was originally gonna they actually were gonna do a tv series of blazing saddles and on the video there's an extra they i think there's an actual um there's an actual episode of the unreleased you know, if you go on the DVD, they filmed it. Yeah. Really? Oh, yeah. Because I say, thought that would have been a hard sell for a, a TV, yeah. a TV channel. But, back but then. you must remember that this was the '70s. So you know, when you look at it nowadays, things like, you know, it was the time of the black and white minstrel show. You know, again, that was a that was a huge show in the UK. I mean, we it, it's kind of weird when you when you look back and see that this was prime time television. You had Benny Hill. When did it? Fi black and white minstrel show finished at like. 78 or something something like that, 77 yeah. 78 i mean it ran like what was it i don't know what that show was it was basically I mean, I um but it said what it was was it was actually white performers yeah who were blacked up yeah 
And it was a bit like Al Jolson. You remember the ja- Al Jolson? I don't really know. You know, Mammy, you know, the Jolson. I mean, I know what it was, but what was it? What, what was the show? It was, was a, it a scripted it was a ca- show. It was a cabaret variety show where you had, oh, it was right. a song and dance show. Oh, okay. And it was prime time on television, you know, but it, it's kind of like the, the attitudes changed. So because of its, um, because of the nature of the show, you know, it, it became like a, it became quite objectionable. So with Benny Hill, for example, you know, I remember sitting around the TV at Tuesday nights watching it and we did, and you know, I was watching it with my parents and there was no, I mean, there's my, my loving parents. We were just watching, but we, because it was seaside humor. Um, but it, but again, it, it's like now with going back to Blazing Saddles, you know, you know, you couldn't have, you would have to, if you were going to present that script to the studio, you would have to sort of take into account the consideration for diversity um, but it, but that's the trick you have to, but that's the thing about Blazing Saddles is that it's a fine line. And also as well now, when you watch it on BBC One or you look on iPlayer, it says contains discriminatory language, oh, really? which some might find offensive. But I, I remember when it was on TV in the midnight, in 1985, when it premiered on BBC One, I was watching and we were laughing like crazy. I mean, my attitude probably would be, you know, but again, it's a unique film. Did you say Richard Pryor did write what he was Richard going to? Richard Pryor was one of the actual writers. So he didn't try it. Well, there's no thing of him being the actor. It could have been. Off, it could have been. I mean, but he, um, but I, I was actually looking at, there's, there was an interesting thing on online the other week, where they were talking about 20 famous films that could not be made today. So, for example, Richard Pryor was in a movie in the 80s called The Toy, in which a white, spoiled brat actually bought, bought, bought this black guy as a toy. Oh, God. Yeah. Then, of course, you... Oh, and Jesus. interesting enough, they, they, but the other thing is they, they, they brought up Crocodile Dundee as well. They Crocodile said that actually Dundee. the problem with Crocodile Dundee, even though it was one of the biggest films to come out of Australia, the actual character of Crocodile Dundee is actually offensive to, Why? Well, because it's it's sort of the you know the the, the outback because it's a stereo- oh, offensive it's a to Australian. Okay. Yeah. yeah, but it's not. Well, I don't know wrangling animals and. Uh. But again, but but again, the you know that there's certain things where I mean there are certain things that still make me laugh deliberately. But I do like the line that the comeback at the big the, at the very beginning where you know the the bigots are saying to him, "How about a good work song." And then they sing, how I get a kick out of you. And then he says, like, you know, you and you, he goes, you requested to tell a family secrets. My grandfather was Dutch. But then, of course, there's the wonderful sequence where he arrives as the sheriff and he's point and they're pointing on it. And then he literally says, goes, hold it. The next one makes a move. (laughs) And then he goes, oh, man, you're so talented. And these are so dumb. But it's the kind of. But there is a fine line, and I think that's what's missing today. And even a lot of the comedians are saying that that's the def- because it's kind of with this fear of offending people, you know. And I think it's their choice. So I think people are having to rethink, um, as they are. Well, you know, when you look at the Western genre, people will always rethink of the genre as a. Um, will always rethink it and reboot it and and it will always evolve thematically so you you can guarantee that there will be new westerns yeah coming out soon anyway um but it's down to the the quality of the writing has improved i think people are smarter now um 
And like anything, if, if it's done well, a Western will always find a place in the world. But you have to be, you've got people, the writers have to work harder at it. Um, you know, and I'm, I mean, Eastwood's got a brand new um, film out, which I've just seen the trailer for called Cry Macho, in which he, he's 91 and he's playing a guy who actually has to go and retrieve somebody from Mexico. And it's, and I was looking, I thought this guy's never going to die. It's like he's playing, it's, it's great because it's Eastwood. And I just, I watched the trailer the other day and it's like, yes. <laughs> He just, he's, he's like the Duracell bunny. He just doesn't he, give a shit. He just keeps going and going. <laughs> How old is he now? Must 91. Nine? Oh, wow. he's in his 90s. Um, I was going to say, uh, Blazing Saddles has one of my favorite lines ever, which is uh, when Mel Brooks, the governor, goes, gentlemen, we must protect our phony baloney jobs. <laughs> he goes, immediately, immediately, immediately. He goes, harumph, 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 harumph. I didn't get yeah, that. Yeah, you watch your ass. And he's like, harumph. And they go, <laughs> my eye but, on you. <laughs> but I like the, um, you know, I mean, but again, you know, that's like the, there's there's a line about the Indians in it where he goes, um, you know, where he brings out like the bat and ball. He goes, they love toys. May I try one? And <laughs> you know, it's actually it's it's crazy that I'm I've kind of diluted what the actual line is. But again, that's for people to watch and discover for themselves. And again, you're not forced into watching it. I just think it's an interesting in the context of what yeah. the Western is. Um, but the other thing about Westerns is to say they are set in history, so you don't have to worry about them. They, 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 will, they will be timeless because, you know, they're set at a certain time. Yeah. Mm. And that's what makes the Western so enduring as a, as a genre. You know, and, um, you know, I mean, I think, um, you know, it'd be interesting to see what Mel Gibson does with The Wild Bunch. Who's, is it, what are your favourite film, uh, like top three? Top three yeah. Westerns. Um, probably Butch and Cast. These are in the, the order, yeah. but I think The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly, yeah. The Wild Bunch, and Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. Why did you miss the other um, uh, but, uh, Berlusconi in my head? What's the director? Uh, Sergio Leone. Yeah, Leone. Um, why did you miss, why do you not uh, have any of the other two on the list? They are, I like They're them. All right, but, but, but if I, if, I mean, this is an argument where I'd say, well, if you told me, you could ask me this question down the line. I'd, I'd be a, an hour later. I could come up with, you know, three right, others. Yeah. But for me, um, the Wild Bunch, because I think it's, it's just an immensely epic tale. And I, I think for me, it's so influential. Um, the Good, the Bad, and the Ugly, I think it's the sheer epic quality of it. And right. it's one of, it's, it's got Eastwood in it. And then Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid, I think is a, just a great entertainment entertaining film so those those are my three um the, what were the year when did they come out the um sergio leone films what years were they um 1964 19 yeah i think it was 1964 1966 and 1967 for the three. Oh right okay um and there's an interesting story when the fistful of dollars played in italy they only had one print and literally they, they had what it was playing in one cinema and people were, people wanted, there was people trying to get hold of the prints. Um, Why did they only have one print? It was just the way it was. I was, I was reading. But surely that's not safe to have just one print. If that's gone. That's all they, that's, that's what? all, that's all they had, you know, for it a big movie, very limited. Maybe we should just do another print just in case. Well, it's like with Star Wars. I mean, Star Wars could only play on 32 screens in 1977 because they can only book 32 screens. Because it was never doubted to be a hit. 
Um, Butch Cassidy and Sundance and Wild Bunch came out in 1969. Complete contrast, um, you know, uh, but they are, um, they're just so, you know, I love the opening where it's black and white and then it shifts the color yeah. in. And I do like the opening scene where um, Robert Redford is, is doing a card game and of course he says i wasn't cheating and then they get up because you've just if he begs us to stay then we'll if he begs us to ask us to stay then we'll go and he sort of gets up and he goes hey kid how far are you and then he blows the bloody belt off the actual thing and um i, I you know that that to me is like too um you know you know, there's the kick in the ball scene where he, he kicks the big guy. He goes, not until we've established the rules. He goes, rules. And then he just leave, walks up while he's establishing rules and kicks this yeah. guy in the ball. He goes, if somebody say one, two, three, go. He goes, one, two, three, go. <laughs> <laughs> he goes, I always had that. I always had faith in you, but he goes, I know you did, you know. <laughs> Is that remade? Um, there was a sequel in 1979 called Butch and Sundance, The Early Days, which had Tom oh, wow. Berenger and William Catt. I suppose it's hard to remake. Isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> when the hard, the hard, it's hard to do a sequel too, isn't it? So if you watch, yeah, if you watch the end credits of Minder, you will see that in the Leicester Square Theatre, the old Odeon West End, they, as they're walking up Leicester Square, you can actually see Butch and Sundance the early days on the marquee. <laughs> okay, yeah. Minder, nice little reference. Okay. Yeah, nice little reference um, for over sixties. <laughs> uh, one I used to love as a kid, um, uh, Northwest Frontier. Mm-hmm. Is that a TV show? That's a film. It's oh. an English film set in India in terms of the 20th century, I think early 20th century. It's a film basically sort of about partition, oh. um, but set before partition. And it's about them, about these, uh, you know, mismatched group of people going on a train through, um, through the, uh, I think what's basic sort of Pakistan and Afghanistan, like around the border region. Then. Oh. Great fun, boys own adventure stuff. So that's Westerns. Mm-hmm. What else, what's happening in the movie scene? Anything, what's happening with um, M. Night's film? He's got a, a new movie coming out. Um, old. Old. A, any, what's the news I on that? I, the... I think it's kind of a weird, it kind of. OLD or OLD? OLD. It's slightly bonkers. I think it's about an alternate unit. I don't, I don't quite know what it God. is, but the poster, poster has, there's poster of two legs. One of them's wrinkled. One of them's smooth. Oh, right. And it's a bit like Ben, I think it's about Ben, like Benjamin Button. I think they're going oh, back no. in time or something. I, I, I don't know. I'll have to check that out. When's that due out? It's out now. Oh, it's out now in the cinema. Yeah. Oh, right. Well, I didn't realize. What's going on with the cinema then? We, we will open. They will open. They're all open. I mean, I was at, um, did any of them go down? Well, they all just stayed. They they closed. They closed for a while, but there's um, in America AMC. They closed down. There was one chain of cinemas that actually did close down because of the 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 pandemic. But they are they're bouncing back. I mean, they're they're sort of dealing with the COVID thing and stuff. Right. But um, I was at the IMAX. I mean, the Odeon Leicester Square is open again. A lot of the London cinemas. I'm going to Fright Fest in. Uh, later this month and the that's going to be at the cine world so i've just got my pass fright fest is that not a halloween thing it's at halloween but the big event is on the bank holiday august bank holiday what's the event exactly fright fest it's a five-day event oh okay but what what what's happening you just it, mean actors from the it's well dependent it's what, it's on, on those, what they call comic things comic comic no no it's um it's a five-day event um of horror premieres oh um, films like several films. films coming out and um you know there's a chance to meet you know the show short films in the normal circumstances you'd have a lot of people coming over from america but i think probably because of the the issue right, with yeah, yeah. you know 
people are not. Is it just new films showcasing new films? It's all new films. Um, there's like special events. There's Q and A's. Yeah. But it's, it's fun. I mean, I think a lot of people like myself are kind of glad to be back watching, um, sitting in pubs and stuff. We're going to be <laughs> assembling on the Thursday before the opening film at the Imperial. Um, what did you see at IMAX? I saw, um, I saw the Suicide Squad. Oh, okay. Was it worth it for the IMAX? Yeah, it's great. I, I, I saw Black Widow as well recently. Which How was, much is the IMAX ticket? It's about £22. It's uh, not horrendous. Still, What one did you go to? The um, Leicester Square? Or the, no, the, the, one in, Waterloo? Uh, the one in Waterloo. Oh, okay. Have you been to the one in Leicester? Is the one in Leicester yeah. Square? Is it the same? Are they the same size? Is one a better experience big, than the other? Well, they're big. They're, I mean, the two main screens at Leicester Square, the Cineworld, are brilliant. I mean, the impact screen, it's like it's a proper big screen. You know, if you want to see, um, you know, I, I, I was doing press reviews for Fright Fest and I was in the impact screen. And again, it's great to see when you see things like Leatherface on the big screen, it's just, you know, it's <laughs> phenomenal. So what's the impact screen? That's a bigger than what IMAX. Well, there's the IMAX one. Yeah. I mean, basically Empire one was split in two. So yeah. you, you had, you know, the stalls of the actual, um, the rear screen is actually the, the Empire is actually the IMAX. And then the, the impact screen is the stalls area. They've just sort of put them Obviously back to area. back. Oh, okay. back um but you know they've they've got two really great screens and um it's well worth going so anything exciting happening in the movie world now all grinding the gears back well, up again um of course we've got next month the eagerly anticipated delayed bond movie no time to die oh. which opens on september the 30th i think it is, is it still daniel craig Yep, it's Daniel Craig. I thought he didn't want to do any more movies. He, he said, well, he said um, when the interviews came out for Spectre, he said, I'd rather slash my wrist. But then he, he, he'd, just done, he'd just done the film and he wasn't exactly in the best of moods. And then right. all of a sudden he, he came back to it and they wanted to, and he wanted to, uh, he wanted to make it um, a really proper song, swan song. So, and this, that's this one coming up. This is the very last one. Okay, They've. Right. Um, I think um, the the guy from um, Bridgerton is the favourite to take the role um, over Tom Hardy. That's what they... Oh, Tom Hardy was in the mix for it. Tom Hardy it? was in the mix, but the guy from Pepe, Reg, um I'm trying to remember what his name is. It's the guy from Bridgerton. Okay. What's the story with this James Bond one? What's the... What have you heard? Um, it's basically... What country? He's... Bond is in retirement... And he's kind of called back to, he's yeah. kind of called back in a similar way to what happened in Skyfall. He kind of comes back to action. You've got um, Lashana Lynch, who's a new double O. And there is a strong rumor. There is kind of a rumor that maybe she's going to be the new double O. They, they haven't quite divulged. So in a way, it's, it's a little similar in tone to one of Majesty's Secret Service. It deals with the kind of bond's own thing and i think there's a line in it from from what i've seen in the trailer like um blofeld's back christoph Orton, he says you know once this secret's out it'll be the death of you, you got rami malek who plays a masked villain so Why he's, do I know that name? he's the guy who played freddie mercury in oh, rami malek. Yeah, 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 mr okay. robot yeah, yeah as well yeah. <laughs> um but also it's the first time what's interesting about this is it's also the fact that there's speculation about where the Bond series is going because with Amazon purchasing MGM, because they now have the rights to all the, you know, it was a mega deal recently. So Eon Productions, who owned the rights to No Time to Die, they, they deferred it. There was certain speculation about whether to release it on streaming 
right because you know but basically they they sort of had a deal it was like the amount of money that they wanted netflix to pay it, they were trying to i remember they were trying to shop it around for about six or seven hundred million or something it was it obscene basically um because they wanted almost kind of what they were expecting from a box office um but the james bond you've got the jason Bourne. everyone's sort of caught up with them now and it? it's the guy jumping around with explosions i don't is it still a thing james bond it's it's a it's a franchise that adapts they had the same thing in when when they had the big legal break between 1989 and 1995 when license to kill and golden the legal rights again. This was another thing where MGM was. They were trying. M- Giancarlo Peretti was trying to use the Bond library as collateral so he could finance the stuff. And then Cubby Broccoli stepped in and said, "You can't do that." So they started writing it together. And then, at that time, then True Lies came out with Arnold Schwarzenegger, oh, yeah. which is a homage to Goldfinger. The oh, opening really of the film is like when oh. he when he pulls off the scuba gear yeah. and he's wearing the white oh, tuxedo. Right. <laughs> but then that kind of indirectly rebooted the, the thing. But they they then sort of did a very clever thing whereby they sort of dealt with the sexism and the Cold War. You know, the you know, they said, Well, there are obviously new elements. So when you see the trailer for gold for Goldeneye, it says there's either the world has changed new villains new things but you can still rely on one man so there's there's a debate about you know how relevant bond is you know it is it is it because of we got a new woke situation but i think the the great thing is now with you know considering that it is co-produced by barbara broccoli who who i think knows because it's a family business and because it is i think she will guide it into the next thing. The fact that Phoebe Waller-Bridge has co-written the script for No Time to Die. Well, what okay. else has she done? Well, she did Fleabag, and she's also been, st- she's filming currently in Glasgow, the new Indiana Jones with Harrison Ford. Ah, okay. Because ha- um, they've they've transformed um, Glasgow into New York. Why don't I just go to New York? <laughs> Uh, probably maybe because of COVID restrictions. I don't know. Oh, right, yeah. come. But Glasgow's been getting quite a bit, um, uh, quite a bit of filming recently. Like, where were they filming? Oh, no, I think that was Liverpool, the new Batman. They were doing some reshoots yeah. for Batman, I think, in Liverpool. Yeah. Well, Brock's yeah. born in Hertfordshire. Just re- they're opening up a really big um, movie studio yeah. there, aren't they? What was it called? Oh, I forgot. A big one. They're opening a big one up in Reading as well. A huge one. And there's also one in Dagenham as well, from what I get. Oh, no. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, so that's the movies there, John. That's the westerns and that's the movies. So yeah. thank you very much for You're that. Welcome. Yeah. Hopefully yeah. we've re I wanna I wanna I think I'm gonna go back and watch um Fistful of Dollars. The talk yeah, it's like uh, you're talking about it getting as uses have started to feel like, oh god, yeah, I could I I, I, I really like um uh, uh Once Upon a Time in the West. I, I think I think yeah. that opening 10, 15 minutes that I haven't seen that now. section where it, it's silent and it's it's just there's three guys waiting for a train. And yeah. it's fantastic. Once upon a time in the West. So what's the story of it generally? Um, it's about uh, a railroad moving in. Trying to a lot of railroad moving. Yeah, <laughs> railroad moving well, in. Big at the time. Aggressively trying to claim, you know, claim. Land. Historically, who in these films, who's building the railroads? Is it the Chinese or the uh, um, African-Americans? Uh, who were I think it is. The, I think it is. Well, if you watch Blazing Saddles, it is the Chinese and the African-Americans. Oh, both. Oh, yeah. well, I suppose. Yeah. Um, but what's just following on from what Charles was saying. I mean, I saw, I love the epic quality of the, um the once upon a time in the west and i also like the there's a thing about the mouth organ if you watch that there's a 
if, when you watch Once Upon a Time in the West, you, you there's an interesting MacGuffin with the mouth organ, but you have to keep watching it to the very end, <laughs> which is what um, because Charles Bronson comes in a bit like the gunfighter, and he's using the he's using the mouth organ significantly. Okay, Henry Fonda is in it as well. He plays a really great. He's kind of like the the, the Mexican, and he's he's real evil. In is Charles film. Bronson the main star? Charles Bronson. Well, there's a lot of characters. There's there's um, Claudia Cardinale is the female instance. It's also got a terrific score by Ennio Morricone. Oh, okay. Right. And a bit of trivia: it actually was used as Carpenter used it as the wedding march music in his wet in his marriage to Adrian Barbo. Oh, okay. Right. <laughs> is it, um, did uh, oh, I forgot Berlusconi in my head again? Who who did the scores for the the, the spaghetti westerns? That was Ennio Morricone. Yeah, oh, that's yeah. what I mean. Right. Well, there you go, John. So thank you very much. You're for welcome. That. Lovely stuff. Yeah. Um, so uh, we'll have you back on in a few months. We'll have some other ideas. Definitely. But yeah. what we're going to have? What 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 month are we in now? We're in August. August, August September, October. Oh, Halloween! My favourite time of the year. <laughs> well, we'll have to we'll have to think about. Well, that I think some we're, 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 we've, we've we've already, a, Well, we've already done the, the well, Halloween. We could do. We've seen as you're going to Fright Fest. You could come back with some interesting films that you've seen. Okay, ready yeah. to talk about that seems quite. Well, good. I'm doing. I say I'm doing the whole festival, so I'll talk a little bit about. Um, you know, we could talk a bit bit about some of the films in Fright Fest. Yeah, so keep review. keep an eye out for some films, yeah. these specifically good uh, good ones, and then when we're back at Halloween, we can sort of maybe do some upcoming. Sounds people. good. Okay. Yeah. So, that's thank you very much, Excellent. Karem. Hit the music, brother. Yo. Could be larger than life, bigger than.